Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Travis Dulaney. He's the CEO co-founder at Push Payments. Travis, welcome to the show. Hello, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having us. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I think what you guys are doing at, at Push Payments is, is really quite interesting and kind of some of the other stuff that I want to kind of talk to you about kind of later in the show. But maybe before we get started, let's um, kind of get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. <laughs> um, good question. I, I grew up in um, a small town in Virginia, uh, okay. actually a southwestern area. So I actually grew up in, uh, I would call it the country. Okay, very cool. So then walk me through kind of a little bit of your decisions to go to kind of post-secondary and what did you kind of take in university? So, you know, when I... Um, started out, um, I, I've always had this love for computers and okay. love for technology. And, was there like a defining uh, moment just, in your childhood or, or something like you remember? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, um, other than the fact that I've always been building things. As a small child, I took things apart, which drove sure. my parents nuts. Um, but <laughs> Um, as I got a whole older, I wanted to know how it worked and how to put it together and build new things. So you know, I grew up um, spending half my time on the farm, really, um, with my, my grandparents and building barns and helping on the farm and, you know, being doing things with my hands. So, you know, I was always building something from a small, um, small age. But as I grew up, um, I remember actually in high school, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but... Uh, you know, they had the, the big TI-99, and, and that was the big deal. We had computer class, right? And so sure. we learned DOS, and you type, you type 10 and a line and 20 and a line, you know, kind of. And, and everybody <laughs> had, did, you, did your little loops on the screen so it drives the teacher nuts, right? And so, <clears throat> you know, that's the kind of um, – it was just always curiosity to me. Sure. And then ultimately uh, – I don't know if it's like any engineer or not, but the curiosity of hacking kind of got into my head a little bit because I could. Sure. The fact that I could break into the university computer or I could get into an area I'm kind of not supposed to be, the fact that I could do it uh, was, was intriguing. Well, and, it's kind of like a rush, so, right? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, you know, so after that, it kind of wore off a little bit, and I wanted to, to build things. So I, I started out. Um, and, and actually a little community river uh, or a little community college called New River um, up in Virginia uh, and later um, took classes at uh, Virginia Tech and, um, and really um, just uh, fell in love with it, really. I mean, that was just something. There's two things that I found that I really enjoyed, and one was business and the other one was, was uh, uh, engineering. But yeah, I, I think the computer engineering came because just the way I think. I believe that when you have a logical reasoning mindset and the way you think, everything seems to be logical and in order and one after another. I think it just lend, lends itself to being uh, a you know a coder or a developer or engineer or architect. Sure. No, I I think that makes a lot of sense. So you've you've kind of had a diverse background and you've worked in kind of a bunch of different industries. 
do you maybe want to walk me through kind of your kind of career before you kind of got into the payment space and, and you know, co-founded a company in, in push payments? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I guess I was trying to find myself a lot. I, I went to school and I, I actually got into um, a little bit of photography work and a little creative side, if you will. And sure. uh, then I that as I, I worked that, it uh, allowed me to travel around the east coast of, of the United States. And, and yeah, I guess for the most part, I, I enjoy warm weather. Uh, and Virginia... <laughs> you and me both. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was just a little too cold. So I think Florida was just closer than California. So that's where I ended up. Gotcha. And, um, you know, and so it was. I was a little bit of a wandering soul a little bit. Um, looking to find myself and find what I wanted. Um, always driven, always opening up really companies. Um, I've I've probably had 20, uh, 25 different companies and small little things here and there. So I've always been the entrepreneur type. Um, and every job I've ever had, um, people used to go, man, you need to start your own company. You're just too passionate. And, you know, because in the corporate world, a lot of people don't care. Yeah. And so they, they, they come do their job, they go home, and, and that's the end of it, right? So um, I'm a firm believer there's two kinds of people in this world, and there's people that care and don't care. And, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I really mean it. it's almost like a left and right brain, right? I mean, yep, totally. The, the people that are creatives tend to be you know, a little bit, you know, la-da-da, you know, it takes day by yep. day. That's just not who I am. I'm a type A personality. I'm driven. That's just who I've been. I think that uh, my early childhood um, environment created a situation that, that really created me a driving individual that I was out to prove um, what I can do. And that's sure. just never, I've never left me. So um, I, I found my way to Florida and I um, worked in um, um, on odd jobs to 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 make ends, and, re- and no matter where I was at, I I seemed to climb the ladder, and I found this little startup, and this startup um, company was called ClaimCard, and ClaimCard uh, was just changing its name to a company called Wildcard Systems. Okay. So Wildcard Systems, um, I'm like, okay, a tech company, cool, that's that's good. Um, I just come out of an M&A organization, rolling up uh, dial-up ISPs, basically back in the day. Yeah, and um, um, and I was R and D. I basically built web. Uh, I built a system that allows you to build a website and a number of clicks without uploading all the stuff. You know, nowadays you got Wix and yep. GoDaddy and things. Well, this was uh, a website in a box years ago, right? I actually, uh, sure. did I one those. of my. Uh, yeah, it's just little simple things, you know, in the web hosting companies, and so. Um, so then this uh, this opportunity came along with claim card and I was like that's interesting that's different and so I got involved and uh, really as a project manager I started out and from there I was given a couple of responsibilities um, around a joint venture that the company had with Visa and it was all about converting travelers checks to a card right oh, so this was a okay. this was Wildcard was really the inventor of the open loop prepay card gotcha so. Meaning today, when you, yeah, this is early on, right? So this is back in 2000. So it came out of Y2K, picked up this job, and I was like, wow, this is kind of interesting. And um, next thing you know, I was building the very first international prepaid program that went cross-border. So we did things with Banco Patel and, and Bank uh, Mercatel and, and the Dominican Republic, and, and uh, we did the um, – 
uh, Benny card, which still exists today, which is an FSA card. We did a number of programs that, that I was either product or I drove the development or one thing or another. I worked just about everything was to work in this company. And, and um, you know, we were all driving toward the end goal. And sure enough, we got bought. We got bought by a company called eFunds, um, which then turned around and got bought also by FIS. And that that's kind of the beginning of the end. So I spent really a good part of 15 years doing that um, and growing up in the payment industry and that side and the issuer side and the acquiring side got a really good understanding of a lot of different sides of the financial services world. And towards the end of my prepaid stamp, the FIS had just bought Metavante and Metavante and uh, I was part of the merger team. So I, I helped uh, integrate the two, the two companies and we started a, a financial services department within FIS, and that was about the time the economic collapse happened a couple, you know, a number of years ago, right. five, six years ago. And so I had won a contract um, with the FDIC to basically um, help close banks that were going down, right? And so I spent a good part of four years flying in the air between Dallas and Chicago and D.C., uh, literally putting 150,000 miles a year domestically in the air. and But it gave me a unique opportunity to see inside the bank all the subsystems, all the core systems. We would take a core system and literally walk in the bank on Friday and open it up as a whole different bank on Monday morning, accounting for every single penny for everybody's money. Yeah, so we got a really good technical inside of what went on. And that's kind of um, where I, I – finally took over the EBT, which is a welfare, welfare type of card that that uh, is offered in every state. Now, welfare now is paid on a on a prepaid card, basically. Okay. So we ran those departments and stuff, and, and then it came about in about 2012. It was time for me to leave. And in concert, I had started a consulting company that I'd worked in Latin America for a long period of time and helping the automotive industry re-engineer their call centers and, and re-engineer their technologies. And uh, and it was it was time to leave the day job, as, as my attorney told me. And so <laughs> it was um, at that time we, I left FIS. And you know, I you know I spent pretty much most of my career building platforms, um, whether it be for Mastercard, for FIS, or Bancomer in, in, in Mexico, or or whoever. So, and and my co-founder also, he did he kind of had the same type of track, just in different different uh, entities. So um, you know, we, we started seeing we what was going on, and 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 really nobody was building a better platform. Nobody was really building a platform that that could live in today's world, right? Because today's sure. world is is instant. It's 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 uh, virtual. Um, and, you know, people expect and demand things now. It's the instant gratification world. Uh, the millennials don't have patience for any of the understandings of the details, so they just want you know, give me what I need so I can go on. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But what was happening is there was no real platforms. The FISs of the world, the FISERVs, these big guys, you know, they're still on AS400s. And yeah. um, wow, hey, that's crazy. Right. Well, there's banks still on on mainframes, right? So, sure. so that's they can't behave in the way that they need to. So, 
you know, I guess um, what we saw was that, you know, here we are in a world and we've been selling this user experience to everyone and everybody's bought it. You, me, we all have. We sure. all have cell phones. Yep. We all have – that's a, nothing more than an extension of us. And what happens when something takes too long to happen? You're getting annoyed. Why in this – what's happening? What's wrong, right? Yep, totally. Well, the, the real, real, real problem is, is the infrastructure isn't there to support it. It's been wired together with duct tape and, and Band-Aids to make it feel that way. But sure. in, in, the reality is when you see these commercials of people standing up at a, at a table going, I'll get the check, and everybody goes, I'll send you $10, I'll send you $10, it doesn't really work that way. Behind the scene, there's a bunch of mice running, you know, running ACH batch transactions and files, and <laughs> it, it's really not all in line. Sure. So I, we said, that, you know, we're going to build a better platform. And, and so that's really what we set out to do, to be honest with you. And, and, and during that time frame, we, we always were expecting to make it instant and real time because single message settlement SMS is a lot more, um, more efficient than what, what goes on today. So we went down that road right off the bat. And so we really built a new platform that is truly scalable using the latest technology and uh, obviously in the cloud so they can scale not only globally, uh, but also all the way down to the memory sticks, right? So it can all regenerate itself. I mean, there's AI built in. There's all these other things really for the purposes of helping our industry really get up to date because everybody is is expecting something that can't be delivered. So when you're in a system design, how do you fix that? You're going to build something new on top of the old? You want to put another party dress on the same old pig? You know, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's really about the only way to do it is build brand new and then start to slowly migrate and build on the new over time. Right. So our, you that's know, an interesting that, point, that, actually. Yeah, I mean, that's the only way you can get out from underneath it. You know, any pro good project manager knows there's either Big Bang or Sunset. That's the only yeah. two ways to interesting. migrate. I've never heard it like that, but that's, that's actually brilliant. I love that. Yeah, so that's that's kind of where we started and how we got there. And um, I, I don't know that it's an aha moment other than a drive to do something better, to build a better platform. Um, and we've been around long enough and have enough insights. We know how to do it. Sure. And so we, but we've got a lot of help. You know, I, I'll do respect. There's a lot of people in the industry that has really reached out and helped us. I mean, we were, you know, for the most part, nobody. I mean, people knew who we were, but. But um, we were still small, right? I mean, it's not like we're a multi-billion-dollar company, but we were dealing with multi-billion-dollar companies, right? We're dealing with these major processors. We're dealing with these major networks: the Visas, the Mastercards, the Amexes, all the debit, pin debit networks. You know, these pro large processors, large banks. And sure. so I, I have to say that uh, I'm I'm blessed that um, they gave us a chance and they gave us an opportunity to prove what. What we could do, and and I guess it hopefully it's karma for us because you know we always did the right thing all of our career, and we always uh, really really kind of always did what we said we'd do, right? If we couldn't, we'd say we couldn't, and if we said we'd do it, we did it, no matter what it took, and that's that's been our mantra. We um you know today that we still work that way. We still push no. the envelope. We still push it beyond what most people think it can be done. No, that's great, man. I, I love that. And I, I think the the thing that I find interesting about kind of the whole banking industry 
compared to the Canadian bank industry because I'm I'm Canadian, but is there's like five or six kind of big Canadian banks and like if you're not with one of those you're you're not using a bank. But in like America there's like hundreds of them and like I watch the like Android Pay or like Apple Pay or uh Apple Pay or whatever it's called um payment thing it's like we added 60 new banks today and I'm like what do you mean 60 new banks? So I think like people maybe don't realize how complicated the banking industry is in kind of obviously the states and even other parts of the world, right? Where when you guys are kind of solving this this issue that almost like to your point kind of sounds simple, but it's like very complicated from kind of a technology kind of just, you know, connecting to these systems that were never meant to be connected to, right? Yeah, and you're you're right, and and I, I would only correct one comment uh, uh, related to okay. that. The sure. technology is probably the easiest part. I'll do respect. I mean, anybody. Okay. Uh, I, I would say that I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm not special in the line of technology. I, I'm probably a little forward thinking, and I and I do think ahead. Um, you know, to support and consider scalability and all those factors. So I do think we're different than anybody's got out there, but. But with that said, you know, um, I, I just go back and use an example like all the guys that, that talk about blockchain um, and things of that nature. You know, that's a good technology. Um, sure. Now, whether it's a good fit for everything, I, maybe not, you know, but they're just trying to find the use case. That's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, trying to um, find that, that water is looking for that one avenue it can get through, you know. So. Sure. I don't. I don't blame them at all. But it's it's got a uniqueness to it that workflows and 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 supply chains. Uh, I think will will completely be blockchain centric. You know, years down the road. But it does take. You know, again, that's a that's a new uh, approach because you got to build new. So I only say that because, um, I, again, it's not about technology. There's a lot of technology, and there's always new technology. Um, sure. The bigger challenge is really getting people to agree. Yeah, that's so fair. one of the yeah. one of the biggest problems you've got in and you know any business is politics and competition. So when we look at those things, you know, I think that it it's it's very hard to make that happen. And in an area of the U.S., when um, you're the highly the most highly competitive area. Uh, it is extremely complex, though. I don't want to negate what you said because that is absolutely true. You know, the Canadian environment is a little simpler because there's a number of banks. You know, Australia is exactly like that, right? It's sure. really um, it's a number of banks. In Latin America, the banks run the system, so it's a little easier. They dictate. Um, so, you know, every country is a little different because there's regulatory confinements yeah. and things of that well, nature. And population, so, too, right? Well, and, and need are, are, yeah. are basically clear adoption. Right. Yeah. So you have, um, you know, things like uh, a PSD2 in Europe that that is driving that's a the regulatory framework that is driving change. Right. So here in the U.S. is a little different because one is we don't really like regulatory um, and we, so we don't <laughs> support it. It's it, uh, uh, interesting. A gentleman shared a optic with me a couple of weeks ago that was very unique i'll have to say i mean I, I i'm always looking at different viewpoints to me perspective is 90 percent of how you see things you know and, and how you perceive it so so you know this gentleman was from holland and he goes you know in the u.s we come here 
and and uh, the government isn't really seen as a positive thing; it's seen as a negative thing. For example, the only place that you can actually see your bill of rights is in a taxi cab in New York. <laughs> Here's your <laughs> rights. <laughs> um, you know, but anywhere else in the world, you got you know there are certain people defending the the individual's rights, right? And Europe is one of those, right? So so it's very different. But I do think that that will have a huge impact over here because the API economy is coming. And it's sure. just a, a matter of time. And it's not so much APIs. Some of it is mindsets, and some of it is people don't want to change. And you know, uh, people that are five years from retirement don't want to upset the boat, so they just kind of stay, you know, same sure. status quo until somebody else comes in. That's typical, right? Yep. So, so I think some of that is just time. Some of it is adoption. Some of it is regulatory framework to allow it. I was talking to a bank the other day, and they said we can't do this. Um, because the regulatory environment would change the scope of what w is viewed under this particular rule, and so as a result, you know, things, some things in the cloud you can't do. Interesting. And, and so yeah, I thought that was interesting, right? And of course they were saying, "Well, you can do it. <laughs> we can use it." <laughs> but it was, I, thought that was, I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it, right? Um, yeah, for, for sure. But, you know, so it, it it is complex. It is hard. Um, sure. And that's really why we went after the hardest thing first, because everything else is downhill from there, really. And um, I do have to commend, though, I'm part of the Faster Payment Task Force, and that, that just wrapped up here recently. Um, still on the secure payments, but what the Federal Reserve did um, with that task force, I think, really solves the problem I talk about with competitive natures and, and, and the politics side. In short, you know, they came and they put out the all come type of call and everybody could join. Anybody could join, uh, individuals, companies, advocates, uh, processors, banks, whoever. And um, it was almost under the mantra that says, okay, guys, you need to come into this task force so we can figure out how's the best way forward for faster payments and digitalization. Uh, because if you don't, we're going to do it, and you're going to swallow what we send you. <laughs> sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, Interesting. that was an easy way of going, you need to get in here and do it, because if you don't, we will, right? And so I laughed about that even with the guys there, but it, it was a good message because in the end, uh, we built some good relationships um, sure. during that, that three years, met some people we wouldn't have normally uh, had a chance to. I used to joke with them and say this is a uh, Federal Reserve-sponsored networking event. <laughs> and um, but you know, I think what it did is it it took all the the thing the barriers down, and we used, sure. and I'm going to tell you there were some drag out fights in those rooms. There was times that I mean it got hot because really? it was competitive, sure. and, and in some cases some people were getting carved out, and and they didn't like that. So you know while. You know, I know like Karen from um, uh, Payments had, had made a comment after the paper came out and said, uh, Karen Weber, that is, you know, she's the editor. And, and she had um, made a comment that said, well, this, how's this different than what we've got now? Um, I think she's got more insight since then. But, you know, that's a fair comment, actually, because that paper, when it came out, you could read it. It had to be so high level and kind of directional. Uh, that it couldn't be prescriptive, right? Sure. And and that was part of it. We actually intent didn't want to say that we're we were deciding for everybody, 
But what it did do is it it allowed us to take all the barriers down, and we allowed us to truly understand everybody's viewpoint. I I remember making a comment going, why do we do this, and why not? Why wouldn't we do this? And somebody turned around to me, and I just won't name names, but but they they were a core processor, and they were like, well, you're telling me that you're forcing me to do business with somebody else? And then I sat there and thought about it. I'm like, you know, that's a very good viewpoint. I never thought of it kind of that view. It sounded it, it makes sense that we should share information and share things, right? And this was all under the the idea of interoperability, right? So we should be able to interconnect with each other to make all the little networks one big network, right? Sure. And so that we all have access to 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 send things to each other. But that made a lot of sense because in some cases there are people that you might elect just not that you don't want to do business with for one reason or another. And um, and you shouldn't be forced to do that, right? So you think about that. There's that goes into the fabric of of being a business owner, um, the U.S. and being a free economy, uh, not government driven necessarily, and and you know there's just a lot goes into that, right? So so I only go through all that to say that you know we started this conversation about complexity in the U.S. and so forth. It it is complex. It is challenging. Um, and what we've done is is very interesting with a different approach, and, and we're we're first to market with that type of thing. There are um, again, like I said, a lot of partner partners here because we work with Visa and we work with Mastercard sure. and so forth, and they have offerings of their own. Um, you know, just we're positioned a little differently, right? And so everybody has their customers, and we see everybody as our customer. We want to really materialize this digitized economy where we can all interconnect um the way i see it is 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 um you know not to be futuristic or anything but no, the, like the world where yeah the world <laughs> we're all becoming um you know digitized we we kind of don't think about it but if we lost electric today i know a lot of people would have a fit after about five minutes totally because yeah. you, you can't do things right everything is on the internet you can't yep. get to things. You can't do things, and we are slowly becoming hugely dependent, which is has its own you know fears, but uh, and issues. But but at the same time, everything is online. Everything is 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 out there. We don't you know like this show. We're not taping something on on a eight track or a cassette, yep. right? And so everything is virtual nowadays. And so I I think the only thing is not virtual is financial services, and it's starting there. But there's a heavy latency item that stuck in the past, largely due to regulatory, but we're also a mature economy in the U.S. And so, and I've said this before, and really, I think our our own maturity as an economy is our biggest Achilles heel right now. Interesting. And so, what we look to do is there's this virtual world of neo banks, challers of banks, there's the PayPal's of the world, there's the lending companies. All these companies are totally vertical, uh, uh, virtual and out there. And and people go, oh, I, you know what's uh, real time payments? That that's not a big deal. You can do this today. I had a veteran in payments say this to me on LinkedIn the other day, and 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 it's just people forget that behind the scenes it really doesn't work that way you know affecting an open to buy or a balance on a card in a system you can control is one thing try to do it across 8000 banks you have no connection to yeah totally. that's a different game totally right? yep so you know the what we see is that you know in the near future 
there will be this digitized world. We'll all, everybody will live in some form of cloud and online environment. And I say live, meaning everything, and it's not much farther than what we're doing now, is online. Yep. So, you know, cities, businesses are solely online. Yep. So, um, really, we're building that digitized city. So, the only thing that's not there today is the banking world. So, we're that sure. on-ramp and exit ramp to the virtual world, to the legacy world. And so, we're helping so, everybody get to that point. So, kind of, uh, that's like, so how exactly are you guys kind of solving that problem? Because at, at some sort of level, I think... And, and tell me if this is a good example. Like people nowadays, and I would put myself in this boat very much so, is like I don't really necessarily care. Say I, I want to either – I want to maybe send you a message or I want to call you, maybe audio, maybe video. I just want to like you know, search your name in my phone and I want to say I want to message you, phone you, or like video chat you. And I just want to push that button and basically, however my phone or the device I'm using at the time connects with you, whether it's through email, a phone number, some sort of third-party ID or, like, proprietary app, it doesn't really matter, right? Like, I just want almost like the device or the platform to sort it out, right? So is that kind of how you guys are looking at, at this whole space where you're kind of sitting in the middle just saying, like, we'll just sort it out for you guys? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, I'll pay you after the show. Um, I, I couldn't have asked you to ask a better question, actually. And, and because really, the truth of the matter is, you're like everybody else out there. As consumers, as individuals, sure. when we leave work or even at work, we don't care about that. I mentioned the millennials er earlier. They're yeah, already I, there. I'm a millennial, so I can bash them. <laughs> Okay, well, well, that's my point. I, I have kids that are definitely within that category, and they don't have the patience for it. Yeah. Oh, but that's yeah. also because you know they've been working and playing with computers since they were able to push a button. Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually had them reformatting computers at five. That's awesome. But so, so you know, if you think about it, it's about the usage. We don't want, we don't need. We just want what we want. Yeah. So so that that right there is the driving force because the infrastructure that supports there doesn't allow you to do that. So if today, if you were getting in the car and go, I just want to go to Chicago, and there was no roads to get there, what are you going to do? You have to yeah. fly to get there. Yeah. But what we're doing is building the roads that allow not only monetary payments but data to flow with those items. So we are building basically a real-time data monetary rail that okay. moves money Interesting. right now anywhere in the U.S. and in India and eventually uh, over the next 12 to 18 months, everyone in the globe. So uh, the idea here is what is an account, right? It's, it's Right now, it's not just a bank account. You know, if, I would argue you go to Comcast or you go to your cable company or AT&T company or anything. You have an account that has a sure. monetary value. It's just in the negative that you're topping up every month to pay it back. Uh, so Interesting. Right? So if you sure. think about that, all your accounts, you have multiple accounts. Everything down to your browser login is an account. It's just a profile. So sure. there's... So all these things have accounts, and I've always argued that you know digital wallets um, aren't a product 
because they were trying to sell them as a product. If you go back in time and yeah, you look yeah, at totally. like the soft card, right? They're not yep. a wall. They're not a product. They're a feature. Yep. So you know, if you look at Uber, that is a digital wallet that has taxi catching features around it. Yeah, totally. Nobody will ever call it that because no. <laughs> that's not what it is to you as a consumer. Sure. You're sold on the features. The capabilities yeah. is what makes it easy. So what we've done is we've built, you know, I call it the electricity. We are, we've made it uh, this complex pain in the, mm, you know what, yeah. world that is confusing, doesn't make sense all the time, half the time only open during banking hours, um, yeah. and um, it is really not built for today's society. We've changed that. We've take, we take all that pain and we stomach that for everybody else that they can come in very simply and turn on and basically send data and send funds where they need to go and operate new business models or improve the current ones. You know, A good example today is restaurants. Today, restaurants, when they close up, um, they, you know, if it's, let's say it's a long weekend on the holiday on a Monday, right? And it's, it's yep. Thursday night or even Friday and they have a big dinner, right? A lot of people show up and they, they've got, you know, probably five, $10,000 in food out and they probably have $50,000 at least of receipts to, to, for credit cards for people paying for their dinner, right? Sure. Do you know when they're going to get that money? Maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, Really, and they still have Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to do dinners, lunches, and breakfasts, or whatever they're doing, um, and still have to pay for all that food. That is a liquidity problem. That is a yeah, float that they have to deal with, right? So we are we've actually solving some of those problems, and we're working with processors today that allow those merchants to get paid immediately. They batch out the end of the night, and a second later they get their funds. Interesting. So then, they no, increase going, liquidity. And they can do more, do better, right? And that's what this world should be about, right? We shouldn't sure. – um, what we've really done is flip the model. Today the gotcha. model is built, and you pay interchange, and you pay all these things um, based on risk and based on um, you know, time because it, it's really about chargebacks. It's about brand risk and, uh, and monetary risk. In our models, we eliminate that. So sure. there is virtually you – know, I, I can't, shouldn't say there's no risk because there's no such thing. But sure. we have negated all the normalized risk. There's okay. no chargebacks. There's no – none of that. When you pay for something, you pay for something. And so it's all goods funds model is what it's called. So okay. it's like – it's the same thing. If you're going to pay with your debit, why does it take three days for that money to get there? Well, how is that different than me handing you a $20 bill? Yeah, fair. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so now, now think about a model in the world in the future that that has a uh, a negative credit line underneath that, so that you can pull from a credit or a debit if you don't want to use your own cash. Sure. Right? So, there's there's a there's a lot to be said about you know when as we move to mobile, you know even if something simple is human factors when you. If I was to reach out and hand you a $20 bill, that's the same action if I was reaching out with my phone and tapping. Yeah, totally. It's, so why, why, why does it have to go through all this risk model that's there, that's been built there uh, for years? Now, there's a lot of people making a lot of money there. That's one reason. So it won't sure. change overnight. But you know, we can at least help ne um, negate some of the challenges in that model today 
Um, but, you know, at, at, at its simplest form, you know, instant changes the game a lot for people um, in many cases. Aside from the typical emergencies and things like that, you know, it really is a digitized ACH. And that's what the Fed is looking to do. We're, gonna, we're digitizing ACH. Interesting. So then how do you guys monetize the platform? Do you take a cut somewhere along the line or, or do you charge? Like, how does that work? So right now, we obviously have cost to send our transactions, right? So yeah. we have a, um, you know, we, we basically rent um, or lease rails and, and networks to, to ride those rails. And there's a toll, just like anything else. Sure. So today, uh, we actually stomach a lot of that interchange ourselves. Um, we okay. do offer a pass-through model because people seem to have the hard time understanding yep. it. Um, but um, but we flat um, rate the model, so it's just a transactional fee okay. um, to move the the funds. Now we also build like closed new networks. So, so let's say you're a processor that has a uh, thousand customers, and those thousand customers do business with each other at times, right? So now it never goes out to a network. Now uh, we okay. really have built a a closed loop network for you and so then the pricing is different right so gotcha. the bottom line is 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 we think of ourselves as a utility well, we we do charge a transaction fee to to facilitate that movement sure. and that's how we monetize it we don't charge um all these other fees and we don't charge a percentage it's just a flat rate um and then you know we hope at one time um in, in here in the near future uh, we hope to do I would say the right thing for certain entities. You know, one of the things that has bugged me since the day it happened, you remember the uh, ice bucket challenge yep, last yep, year? Yep. You know, everybody got in on that. Everybody dumped ice on their head. And, and, and really that charity raised more money in 45 days than any other charity in history. Sure. Yep. Do you have any idea how much they paid in credit card fees? No idea. Not a clue. Yeah, to be honest. Eight, eight million dollars. Wow. 45 days that's now that's crazy. charity that's yeah, yeah. people giving their money for helping others why are we charging people for stuff like that right sure. and so i yeah. have a bleeding heart for stuff like that and you know and this is the u.s is one place but you know and then there are other parts of the world you know in, in india uh, if you don't pay you don't get surgeries so you know some people get kicked out of hospitals and die on the streets and people um, simply because people can't get there to give them the money because they sure. live in another town and it's just not ways to doing that a lot. So these are issues that, you know, I guess part of the, you know, I guess part the part that bothers me that is is uh, is one of the byproducts of what we're hoping to to build globally is that we can truly have a no fee um, charity process that basically hospitals and charities all get funds that can be sent to them, you know, without any fees. So to, yeah. to me, that just doesn't make sense. Well, sure. And I, I think too, like it, it kind of, the big thing that I think that is fascinating to me is, is how the internet basically makes you, everybody on the planet, like a global citizen, but so many people don't think like that. Right. And we've, made these like weird borders around the globe, right? And it, for better or worse, and I don't really want to go on the political side of it, I think what the point I'm trying to get across is like, to your point, it's like, 
if you you people have family all over the globe at this point and they kind of always have but i think nowadays like you can literally like we're in two different countries right now in in you know obviously on we're on the same continent but i've had people on the show where they're on the other side of the world and it it just doesn't matter whether you're next door or across the globe and and try and you guys solving a problem where you could send money to you know a, a family member in need or for their birthday or, or whatever almost basically instantly it is just like it just makes so much sense right and and I love the idea of being able to do that and like it until like not that long ago you really couldn't do that without potentially days or at least hours to do this stuff right and now being able to instantly do stuff like that is just kind of very cool and fascinating to me yeah and that's you know aside from the the novelty of it you know it, it really just it, it changes the paradigm so much you know totally. we kind of uh, well and life even from a life business perspective you're right you're, exactly exactly it could it can really improve somebody's life uh you know i i used to look at it as we're allowing you know businesses even to buy time right yeah, so in today's world um, you know, the biggest thing that we don't have much of is time. We're always working. We're always doing this. And if you could save 30 minutes to an hour every day just because you're dealing with a delay in a payment or something or you're waiting from a control aspect and you need to control your cash flow better and, and you could set that up on an automatic at the last minute when your paycheck hit instead of having to guess whether or not it was going to hit the day before and make the payment and all these different factors. Right? I mean, we can go through sure. – now, nah, you know, literally tens and twenties, uh, you know, hundreds of, of use cases and examples. But if we are allowed to give people a little bit of time back, a little bit more time that we could spend with loved ones or, or get more done or whatever's your priority, um, then then we should do it. Right. And sure. so, you know, there there is a fundamental aspect of that, um, that that we're that's really about what we do. Uh, and and um, some of that just comes from because I'm an efficiency guy. You know, I'm a, I'm a six sure sigma, but I've always yeah, yeah. I've always been that guy that just inefficient operations drive me nuts. And so why not just build one that it, it takes all that out? And that's what we're hoping to help people do, right? And 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 improve their life, improve their business, improve their cash flow. Um, uh, you know, all the way around. No, I, I think that's great. And, and I think as more and more stuff kind of goes online, more and more of these services are going to be needed, right? And like if I pay for something, I don't know, I, I, this is a, probably a bad example, but like if, if I pay for some sort of piece of content, I don't want to wait 24 or 48 hours to access it. I want it on demand, right? And obviously Google and Apple and other companies are, you know, the second you pay for something, you could download your app or watch the video or, or whatever. But I think more and more content that will be kind of digitized and brought online, you know, will need kind of a these payment gateways to actually be instant, right? Or I want content from another part of the world or, or whatnot. So I, I think what you guys are doing is, is really cool and, and really needed. But we're coming to the end of the show. So let's maybe close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys online and any other kind of social media you want to mention. Yeah, absolutely. So um, obviously you can reach us at pushpayments.com online. 
and there's um, plenty of ways of reaching out online to whether it be just just uh, adding to the newsletter or, or reaching out to get uh, a demo. We do demos live so that you can see it real time yourself. Um, once you see it, it, it changes the game. It's funny how we talk about it a lot, but when people see it, I've had 30-year-old, 30-year uh, veterans in the industry with their mouth open. I have to kind of lift their jaw up. Um, That's awesome. Because it's just... Yeah, it's it, it's impactful when you see it. It's it's it is, and we're on Twitter. Um, I, I um, really it's, it's push. Uh, I can't even remember my Twitter one. That's sad. Um, but we're on Twitter and LinkedIn. You know, basically, you all you got to do really it. is Google us. Yeah, you guys yeah, are just push it's, payments it's at Twitter. Exactly. Um, perfect, Travis. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and look forward to keeping in touch with you. And have a good rest of your day. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Appreciate you having us again, and um, have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. And keep them in the future.